copy this morning, page 384. I feel as if I need to confess to you, I wrestled greatly with the message for this Sunday, uh, mainly because of so many things going on in the families of the, this church. Um, honestly, I was all over. I, I think I, this was kind of the fourth sermon I worked on this week, but believe strongly that this is what God wanted me to land upon this morning. And it, it deals with prayer, and we may work with prayer. I'm not certain. I believe I might do a, a small series here on prayer over the next several weeks. As, and, and honestly, it came to me as I was wrestling with all the things I thought maybe I should share with you this morning, and I kept being driven to prayer. I'm like, God, I, I need your help. I need a clear mind. I need, you know, a clear emotional uh, heart that I can look at your word and focus in and to prepare something. And as I'm praying over and over this week, trying to prepare something for this Sunday, I realized I needed help in prayer. And of course, it's something we all do. We all do. We all need help in prayer. The, the most seasoned of you in prayer wishes to be better. And, and for many of us, prayer just feels like a completely strange thing. I, I know as a young person, I almost felt intimidated by the prayers of the pastor because I thought, I don't even know what those words mean. You know, like, I don't even think I can pray. You know, and, and my dad was a, a Sunday school superintendent, and just a, it seemed like a prayer yeah, at dinner sometimes felt out of reach for me. And so prayer can feel a little awkward, maybe to a young person, maybe to you present here this morning. But we, of course, have help. Prayer isn't something that God wants it to be difficult. More, more than anything, our Savior wants to connect with our heart, wants, wants to interact with who we are and what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. That's what He wants. And so it's foolish of us to think that God would want prayer to be something mystical or something hard to grasp. He, he just wants us to talk to Him. You know that when, when you go home, husband or wife, your loving spouse, they want to connect to you. They want to connect with you, to your heart, to what you're experiencing, to how you're feeling. And, and, and for guys, you know, I know that's a little scary. It's like, well, how are you feeling? Well, I'm okay. No, how are you feeling? Well, I was frustrated because really, men, we only feel okay and frustrated. Those are the two emotions <coughs> we experience. But we, wanna, we, we do want to connect. We do want to connect. And how we do that is by talking. And prayer is that. It is many things. It, it is, in Scripture, it's a deep thing, but it's not a complicated thing. And there are some tools available to you and to me to better our prayer. One is just getting around other people and praying. That's just one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we have connection groups, why we offer spaces so that you can get around someone else and hear them pray. And they don't need to be fancy. In fact, I think the, the simpler our prayer and definitely the more heartfelt or heart-originated our prayers are, the more God likes them, the more God loves them. So we create spaces where you can get together and you can pray and get past that awkwardness. I know there's many of you, you're in groups and you still have an awkwardness about praying out loud. I hope that you 
develop a relationship with one or two people at least where that relationship to you feels safe enough that you can push past the awkward because that awkwardness is not something God wants you to experience. He doesn't want you to feel awkward in talking to him. He unconditionally loves you. He is the safest person to go to and to talk to. And that's what prayer is. The other tool that we have, and this is found in Scripture, is we have examples of prayer. And there's so many different ways. I think the only, I would never preach a passage on prayer saying this is the blueprint of prayer unless I was in the Gospels looking at when the disciples said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. That's the blueprint for prayer. If we're going to do something where the goal is to learn how to pray, that's the text. But examples of prayer, there are so many throughout Scripture. Psalm, which is where you've turned, hopefully, is loaded with both songs and prayer. And in this psalm, Psalm 3, David is sharing both a prayer and a song. And they go together. It was some of the words, some of the um, verses are things he prayed to the Lord during a very intense time in his life. And other phrases are declarations to the masses. And they took both of these, David took both of these and wrote this beautiful song. Well, in this psalm, chapter 3, we have this example, and maybe uh, your Bible has a title. This is really a prayer of trust. That's what I want to entitle this sermon. It's a prayer of trust. And I've broken it into three sections, if you're taking notes there. And in verses 1 through 2, we see David describe the problems with today. David's facing some problems. Let's read together. Uh, Follow along with me. Verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. I, I want to describe to you what he's, he's saying here and, 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 and take it into a, a, a way that helps you in your prayer. But I want you to understand when, what Paul's saying. When he says, many are my foes, this was, I, want, I, I need to tell you when this was written. Many of your uh, copies of Scripture will say under the title of Psalm 3, it says, A Psalm of David, when he fled from his son Absalom. We're not going to turn there, but if you this afternoon would like to read this wonderful story um, and, and get the full background information to what David was experiencing, it's in 1 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. I'm going to give you the highlights of that passage, but some extra bonus reading. And if you send me a, a Facebook message that you, you read that, I will send you 100 points, okay, just for you. So you might want to read that, 100 points, get you up the scale a little bit, okay? David is fleeing from his son, Absalom. Absalom had done several things. One, he had, he had set up a, like a table or a booth outside of the palace. And people would go to the king with their trouble. But since there were so many people who had trouble, there'd be a long line. And you can imagine, anytime you've been in a long line, it's just like torture to you, isn't it? Well, these lines would last all day. You'd get there early in line, and you'd be there all day with your problem waiting to see the king. Well, Absalom would sit there at that line, and he'd, go, and he'd say, why don't you come and, and you tell me your problem? 
and he, it didn't matter what they said to him, he'd go, oh man, that's a problem. You are absolutely right. You should get whatever you want. And if I was king, I'd get that for you. Absalom was a great politician. That's what he did uh, on this. And as he was doing this, and as he did other things, he was stealing away the hearts of the kingdom. A couple, twice in, in chapters 15 of 1 Samuel, it says that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And, and one of the things that happened because of that is many of the people believed that God was no longer with David. That's why in verse 2, David said, Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. David's crying out. If, if you notice the, the uh, punctuation in verse 1, they're exclamation points. And, and the way Hebrew is written, the emotion is in the text. Like, you use one word a specific way to describe an emotion. You use it differently if it's a different emotion. David is crying out, almost yelling at God, just broken before him, saying, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? They're countless. How many rise up against me? They're, God, they're saying that you can't deliver me. Do you see what's going on? I'm giving you, God, I'm giving you specifics. Do you understand what I'm facing right now? Do you see all these people? David was in a situation. The hearts of the men had been turned against him. His own son had done it. Not only that, but his son hatched a plan to make himself king. He goes to the city of Hebron, and he's very sneaky about it. He, he invites some men w along with him who were faithful to David. And he says, hey, I'm just going down there doing a little worship service. Uh, why don't you come with me? So this whole entourage of 200 men goes down, and Absalom lets loose this plan. And throughout the nation of Israel, it was announced that Absalom was king. And David, in Jerusalem, had no clue how many people that were gone with Absalom were betraying him, or not betraying him. He had no idea. News reaches him, and David has to flee the palace. He leaves Jerusalem with just a small group of people that grew, but David was outnumbered. And his son had made himself king in his father's place. Not only that, but as you look in, in chapters 18, as you read that this afternoon, you read about Absalom pursuing his own father with a great army. 20,000 people in the battle that was to come would die. So in a great number, when David cries out in verse 1, says, how many are my foes? David is possibly looking at an army of tens of thousands of men coming to kill him. He who was the right king. This was his problem. This was the problem that he was facing. It was, it was both a threat on his life, that's a problem, it was also people saying bad things about him. That's a problem. But it was also his own flesh and blood, his own son, who was re leading this rebellion against him. David must have felt so broken. And he details the problems of the day to his Lord. What, what David is doing here in verses 1 and 2 
and even uh, down again a little, in a little bit, is he's doing what's called lamenting. Lamenting. And I want to introduce you to that word because there's a very important difference between lamenting and complaining when it comes to our prayer. Lamenting is when is giving God our anxiety and fear because we trust Him. When we lament, we go to Him because we are already trusting Him and we're casting our cares upon Him. We're giving Him our fear and our anxiety. Like, God, I trust you and this is what's going on. And we're descri- we can describe what's happening. We can yell about what's happening. We can cry about what's happening. But we trust Him. That's lamenting. Complaining can use the same words, can have the same tone of voice, but it comes from a heart that doesn't trust him. It's complaining is going to God and saying, God, you've messed up. God, I don't like what's going on. I have a problem with what you're doing. It, complaining is very much me-centered, where lamenting is God-centered. So I wanted to share that with you. David is here, and he's lamenting what is taking place. It is a prayer of trust. He trusts his Savior, but he's still broken and fearful and full of anxiety over the situation. So there's the problems for, with today. David had some problems. Next, in verses 3 through 6, he prays for protection for today. Let's read that. He goes, and I want to start actually in verse 1 because I I want you to get the feel for this. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me. Oh, Lord, you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep, I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. What an amazing, amazing declaration. You can see from verse 2, he's wording a prayer, a lamenting prayer, But in verses 3 through 6, he now declares to the congregation the faithfulness of his God. Um, And he's he's praying. He says, "I, I know protection. And when he's talking about protection for today, he first says, God, I'm going to you because you are the source. You are the source. We see that in verse 3. He says, but you, God, are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me. My glory is found in serving you, God, and you lift me up. Lord, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not seeking anything else to make me feel better or to protect me. I'm coming to you because you're the source. You're the source of protection. I'm faced with this immense problem, but you are my protection. You are the glory and you will lift my head. That's what I'm counting on. I'm coming to you. He not only says that, but he says, he says, I'm coming to you because you're the source and because I've seen you do it. Verse 4, to the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. He, 
David's saying one or two things, and, and both fit, both are accurate, both are, are wonderful. Either David is praying this, and he's saying, I already know you're going to answer my prayer. I already know it. I believe that. So Absalom's confronting me with all these people. I call out to you. You answer me from your holy hill. I'm already declaring that. Or David could be saying, I have called out to you so many times. Think about David's life. How many times he faced an enemy far greater. As a, as a young child, he started off by facing Goliath. I mean, it, it's not been an easy road. For a while, he was God's anointed king, and the king... The current king, Saul, was hunting him down. David had called out for God's protection time and time again, and time and time again, God protected him. So in verse 4, either way, David's saying, I call out to you because you're going to answer me. You're going to answer me. I know that. I count on that. I depend upon that. You're the source, and you've done it in the past. And so, what is that end result? He said, because of who you are and what you have done, verse 5, I lie down and sleep. I go to sleep. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I worked myself to exhaustion just so I could fall asleep. You ever been there? It's like, life is so heavy. And it's like if you stop physically moving or if you stop engaging your mind in television or in a sport or a project, the, that, that trouble just starts to come to the front of your mind and you can't escape it. David's saying, I got some trouble. He may be even looking at the trouble. I mean, he may, you know, see it. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? Because you're the source of my protection and because you've protected me, Throughout my life, I'm going to sleep. He didn't, David didn't need to be exhausted. He just said, I lie down and sleep. And I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Remember when I said lamenting was casting anxiety and fear upon God because you trust him? Look what David writes now in verse 6. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. See, David starts the psalm off, and I don't think he's recorded all of his prayer. I, I, if you look at verse 4, it says, To the Lord I cry aloud. There are things that David prayed and, you know, just detailed that he didn't record in the psalm. He didn't need to record it. Verse 1 and 2 capture everything he probably said. He may have prayed to the Lord for an hour. We have no idea. If, if I'm David, I'm de I make a detailed list to God of all the problems I'm facing. It's my son. He's got, you know, this guy betrayed me and this guy betrayed me. There's this many armies. I think he brought a legion from over here. I mean, I just go through the whole mess with God. That's how I would do it. We don't know. I'm speculating. But David cried out aloud to the Lord. And then in verse 6, when all that is done, he says, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to rise again. That's what's going to happen. I'm not afraid. I've cast it upon my Savior. So in verses 1 and 2, he talked about the problems for today. 
verses 3 through 6, he shared with us protection for today. And then verse 7 through 8, he calls upon God's deliverance or salvation from today. In, in, this, in these verses, the word deliver and the word salvation are interchangeable. Um, he's not talking about his eternal salvation. He's talking about salvation from today deliverance from today. He says, God, I know you're going to protect me from the situation I'm in. God, would you do this? Would you remove me from the situation I'm in? Will you deliver me? Will you save me? Whether that be time or just removing me right now from the situation, God, would you do that? Deliver me from the situation. And again, he calls upon the source. He says, arise, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, my God. And then David, David had some real prayer. Now, I know you and me think, about, think prayers like this sometimes. We feel afraid to say them. Here's a man who Scripture says his heart was after God. Here's some Scripture that has been set aside, God breathed, for you and me to read. And in the middle of this song of prayer, David says this, Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. In the NIV, it's a little, they kind of niced it up a little bit by saying break. It, uh, some of your translations may say shatter. Like, God, shatter the teeth of the wicked. Like, I didn't know I could say that, you know. The Lord knows our hearts when we pray. I think we need to maintain a fear and a trust in our Lord. But what, what's, he wants to know what's on our heart. And David was graphic, saying, God, this is what I want you to do. Deliver me, and if they're wicked, just smash them. Verse 8, he's back to declaring something to the congregation. He says, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. What a, and again, this is not a blueprint to prayer. This is an example of prayer that God decided to include in this beautiful book of Psalms. I wouldn't say, you know, that you need to take these verses, apply them to your situation, and just pray them. I, I don't think that's true. I think there's some principles found in this verse, this chapter, that can be true and helpful in your prayer. And one... The first thing is to trust in his promises. You have to understand his promises, but to trust in his promises. Much of what David is declaring in this prayer is based upon the fact that God said, David, you are king. I anointed you as king. I chose you as king. And David's going, I know, I know you've elected me. I know I'm your king. Therefore, protect me. I'm yours. Until you tell me different, I am the one you want as king, God. He, he didn't just apply that principle, that truth, to his life when he was king. When Saul was king, David had opportunity to, to kill him, and David said, I'm not killing God's anointed. I'm not, I'm, it's not my place. It's God's place. I'm not going to do God's work. And so now David's saying, God, do your work. Protect me. I'm your elected. But there are so many 
promises in Scripture that are for you and for me. That, that we can anchor in. We can pray these promises. We can rely on them. God cannot fail on these promises. I want to share them with you on the screen. We're going to put them up there for you to read. It says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus was promising things. He says, one, you have a helper, the Holy Spirit. You have some, a part of me living inside of you to help you. And more than that, I promise that I'm giving you peace. It's not the way the world sees peace, but I'm giving you peace. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Promise. God comforts us, and he does it so we can comfort others. Therefore, we should also comfort one another. But the promise, the promise here is he comforts. He's going to comfort. First uh, Peter chapter 5, 7 through 10, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What an amazing promise. What is he promising? He says he cares for you and will strengthen you. That means when I pray, I say, God, I need to feel your care right now. I need to feel your comfort. And will you strengthen me? Will you strengthen me? You've promised. So I'm going to bed now. I'm falling asleep knowing that you're going to do that. That's a prayer we can pray. Uh, last, but, but not the last of his promises, there's, there's just tons of of his promises throughout Scripture. I just want to share some of them with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your heart. David was saying nearly the same thing thousands of years before Paul wrote that down. He said, just give me, give me peace. Give me protection. Lift up my head. And I'm going to rest because I believe it. This is the, some of the promises that we can trust in. Some of the promises that when we go into prayer, we can lament instead of complain because we trust in him, because we are anchored in his promises. I think another 
great principle found in this passage is David lamented to his Savior, but when he addressed the masses, he praised his God. You you read throughout this chapter, um, verses 1, 2, and 4, David, and and maybe even 7, David is addressing himself in prayer to the Lord. And he says, God, this is what I'm anxious over. This is what I'm fearful of. And then every time in this song, David addressed the masses or a group of people or had an opportunity to give testimony in verses 3, uh, 4 through 6, and verse 8, he praises the Lord, saying things like, uh, he answers my prayer. I lie down because the Lord sustains me. I don't fear 10,000 angels. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Lamenting is something we do and, and it's something we do with our Savior. And praising our Savior is something we do before everyone. I think that's a great principle of this passage and, and when it comes to prayer. I think there's a time when we have to surround ourselves with a couple of wise people and grab a friend, grab someone we can trust who understands that, you know, what lamenting is, and they just, they're present with you, you know? Throughout Scripture, we see this where just a, a follower of Christ just couldn't do it alone and needed someone. So there's times where we lament, I think, in a very small group, and we share that, and we encourage one another, and we just, we just go down into that anxiety and that fear together, casting it upon a Savior we love. But I don't think our fears and our anxieties are helped when we just share it with everybody. David didn't do that in this passage. He said, God, I'm casting it all on you because I trust you. And when I turn around and talk to all these people, I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to declare to them how great you are. So in your prayer, I hope maybe you can walk away with one of these three things, an understanding of what it means to lament instead of complain, casting our anxiety and our fear upon a Savior that we trust in. I hope you you understand that lamenting is really for our Savior and praising His name is something for the masses. I hope that one of those truths maybe can help you this week in your prayer life as it's helped me in mine. I'm going to ask uh, Carl and Jenna to come back up, and we're going to, we're going to practice this right now. And we're going to lament a little bit together. Um, I talked with uh, them a little bit, well, a lot, a lot of it, a little bit.